0: You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. Last weekend, I had the chance to go up uh, to the Outer Banks of North Carolina to Kill Devil Hills. My brother is a pastor at a church up there called Sunrise Church of Christ. And uh, they began back in the late 80s, I believe. And um, it was really cool to be up there because I remember back as a as a kid... Going to uh, to church there My grandfather actually was a part of starting it And to go to church there And they were meeting like in uh, people's living rooms And there was a restaurant at one point that they met in Like in a back room of a restaurant And they, they met in a, a borrowed space from a motel in the area And uh, it was so cool being there last week Some 20-25 years later Because this is now a very established church And they've got this, this thriving community there and Not only that, they were very instrumental in getting us started Here in Wilmington, Venture Church I love to be able to go to places and to areas where I can see progress, where I can see where you once were to where you are now. So it was really cool to get to share with them last week. Thanks, uh, Patrick's book here last week, and and, uh, and I hate that I missed seeing some of you guys, but it was so cool to be up there and see uh, the progress that's happened in that community and in that family. Uh, I love to be in places where I see progress. Uh, I guess uh, a little over two weeks ago, I was playing kickball with a lot of you, and you were there when I was uh, being a dummy and somehow kicked a foul ball and fell down and dislocated my left shoulder. Were you there for that? That wasn't fun. Uh, I tell you what, over the last two weeks, it's been nice to see the progress of my range of motion. I had a, a sling on all morning, and I'll probably put it on right after I get off stage um, because it's hard to stand here and not use my hands. You've seen me talking up, you know, like, this dude needs to use his hands to talk. Uh, but I love to see the progress that I can actually, you know, do things like, Button my pants. Tie my shoes. Like it's progress. We love to see progress. And the thing we like to do is to be able to measure. Like if you've ever tried to lose weight or lift weights and get stronger or maybe run a 5K, you love to see the tangible progress. You love to go look at the scales or see how much weight you're lifting or look at that stopwatch to see how far you've come or how fast you ran. It's something that we see in a lot of things. the tangible, real, measurable, objective progress. And it's good. We see this in our car. How much gas do I have? Or have I overheated my car? We've got gauges in there. Right? And it just helps us see where things are. In many ways in society, we probably put too much emphasis on measuring these things to see where we are. Like, who says, ladies, that you have to be a size two? Like, who said that? Like, whose idea was that? It's, it's just something that a lot of people beat themselves. I don't look the way that I want to look. I don't want to. I don't have the, the body type that I wish I had. Well, who says that? Who says that your GPA has to be a certain thing? Right? There's, there's standards. I get it. To get in certain schools or to get in different things. But who really determines, like, if you don't have this certain GPA, that you're not smart? Because there's a lot of people, the school's just not for them. And so there's some measurable standards that when we look at those, they kind of change and fluctuate with culture, don't they? But there are some standards, guys, that man didn't make. They're not cultural standards. They're not time-locked standards. They're timeless standards that God set up. There are certain areas in our life where he wants us to hit and grow and achieve and have progress, and he wants us to be able to see that progress in our life and that growth. One of those areas, and it's the reason why we're in this series and, and, and actually wrapping it up today, is wisdom. Like when God looks at our life, he wants us to be wise people. If I could wish any one thing for my kids, it might be that they grow up to be wise people. Not rich people, not necessarily smart people. Not necessarily attractive people, not culturally successful people, but if they could just be wise, imagine how much more would go their way, right? And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be wise. But here's the question. If we like to see the progress, if we like to measure the success, if we like to see where we are, how do you measure wisdom? Isn't it somewhat relative based on how wise you are compared to someone else or you are compared to God or what, Like... How do you measure wisdom? Well, here's the thing. Just like in a lot of areas where you might have a scale or you might have a stopwatch or you might have a gauge in your car, I believe God has given us a gauge by which to measure our wisdom. And it's not that far off. It's not something you've got to go to Walmart to buy. Actually, if you got your finger right now, if you would hold it up, and I'll tell you for a second, uh, th- this gauge is actually right under your nose. The gauge is right here. Your mouth. Your mouth is a gauge of a lot of what's going on inside of you. Because words... Words are powerful. You don't think you have to be a sold out believer in God or any, some super religious person to say, yeah, that's true. Words are powerful. It was the mid nineties. I remember hearing the, the radio talk show host Rush Limbaugh say this. I don't care how you feel about Rush Limbaugh. Uh, this thing he says here is true. And he said this and he kind of, I think he kind of coined this phrase or at least made it popular. And, uh, and, and once I heard it, it stuck with me for the rest of, of my life since it's been this, that words mean things. This was during the, uh, the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky stuff. Remember there was some confusion over what certain words mean? <laughs> it's like, no, no, that word just means what that means. That's just what it means. You can't really fluctuate the definition of that particular word. And, and, and he said, you know, words mean things. And it's so true because words are powerful. Words, a good word can make your day. A bad word can ruin your, your week, your month. Think of the effect that bullying has on young children into their adulthood, right? Words mean things. When Thomas Jefferson said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with inherent and inalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And those words mean things. Those words ignited revolution. And it changed the course of history. When John F. Kennedy said, And so my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. It caused a nation full of people to rethink patriotism. And what does it mean to stay on the side of my nation instead of the side of myself or just my neighborhood, right? And this, this is words mean things. When Martin Luther King said, I have a dream, man, him and dozens and hundreds and thousands of others took those words and used more words to ignite social change that I'm so thankful for today. Words mean things, right? Words have power. Yet so often, we just toss them around so irresponsibly. Blip, 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 blip. Words falling out of your mouth all the time. And so we're in this study of the book of Proverbs. Hashtag wisdom. Because as I look at the book of Proverbs, if my count's correct, I'm actually getting this from a, from a book that I read. Uh, there are about 915 verses in the book of Proverbs. And of the, or 915, of the 915, 150 of those words, those verses... Let me say that whole thing again because I want to make sure it's clear. <laughs> there are 915 verses in the book of Proverbs. Of those 915 verses, 150 of those verses are about how we use our mouth and our words. It's important. So important, in fact, that he spends about a sixth of the book talking about the value of our words. So I read this in the commentary that I was reading on the book of Proverbs, and I saw this huge number, 150 of them are about words in our mouth. And so I got my Bible out, and over the last couple of weeks, I've had a highlighter, and I've been trying to read through the book of Proverbs, just like I challenged you to do, which you guys are all doing, right? I was trying to do that too. And so what I decided to do was to highlight the verses that were about our mouths, and our lips, and our words, and I didn't count, like if it was 150 or not, I I don't know, I haven't got all the way through doing that yet, but man, it was eye-opening. Because this is so enlightening because the things that Solomon says about our words are so wise. One of the verses that I highlighted jumped out to me. And I want to share that with you because I want to use this kind of an anchor verse to where we're heading for the rest of this talk today. In Proverbs 15, verse 2, it says this. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes, gushes folly. Remember I told you that your mouth is like a gauge to what's going on inside of you, your wisdom The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge. Imagine uh, wisdom and your mouth and your words being like a crown you could wear. Like if you're a wise and you're a knowledgeable person, the crown that you might wear is the tongue. Your words that you say, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. What a person says is the truest indicator of what's going on inside of them. Jesus talks about this. If you look in the book of Matthew, which is a book all about the life of Jesus, Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, this is what Jesus says. He says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from where? You can read it. What does it say? From the heart. The things that come from our mouth come from our heart. And we might think, that just came off the top of my mind. No, it came from somewhere deeper. The things that come out of our mouth come from our heart, and these things defile men. Now, of course, there are smooth talkers who can make you believe that they're good people, and they can trick you doing, into doing things that aren't good, and, and there are con men out there. But here's the thing. if you have ever hung out with a liar for very long? It doesn't take you long to realize that the only person they're fooling is themselves, right? From our heart comes what we say. There's no substitute for actions, but words have power. It's like taking a box that you, you ever dug in your attic or in a closet. and You've got this box and it's just full of all kinds of junk. You, you see maybe some, some memorabilia from high school or just something from years gone by. And you're like, what is in here? There's no way to find out what's in that box unless you what? Empty the box. Dump it out. See what's on the inside. And here's what I want to propose to you today. That our words, the things that dump out of our mouth are very much like dumping that box out. It lets us know what's going on inside of us. It's what you say when someone cuts you off in traffic. It's what you say when your kids are frustrating or your husband's frustrating you. It's what you say when you realize there's not enough money in the bank. Fill the blank. Right? It's those things that are really deep down inside. And we always say, Oh, I didn't mean it. But from our heart... Come on, words. My mouth has gotten me into a ton of trouble through the years. Um, when I was in middle school, I had a teacher. He was a science teacher. Uh, I was raised Christian in a Christian home, and the science teacher was an atheist. He didn't believe that there was a God. And, uh, and so as he taught through science, he taught often he would say things uh, that I disagreed with. And, uh, and I wasn't very diplomatic. I wasn't uh, very, very um, <laughs> wise. And so while he was talking and telling some of these things he was saying, I had this thing. I figured uh, as an American citizen, I had to exercise the, the right of uh, free speech. And so, uh, which, by the way, isn't true for middle school students in school. Like, you have to listen to the teacher, and there's a platform for that. But I didn't I didn't know that. So I would do things like, you know that thing where you cough into your hand, but you actually say a word, and you think everybody else doesn't? You're like, stupid. <laughs> Bull. I said a lot of things that weren't very nice. And uh, I remember my teacher finally being like, um, Mr. Woolard. Is there something that you needed to say, or are you just too much of a coward to raise your hand and talk to me like a man? I'm like, oh, dag! Like he just set me down. Uh, you know, the listen to this: the mouth of the fool gushes folly. That is not how you carry on a debate. I had a college professor uh, who, uh, she had, we had an interaction in class, and she said something, I guess, that I disagreed with. And we, we got into it a little bit, and she basically put me in my place, just like that teacher did. And I was humiliated. And I was like, oh, I'm so mad. So I walked out of the room, and I just began to just berate this teacher, and just going off, talking about her. And I, and I remember saying some deeply personal things about her, and just going off, going off, going off. And what I didn't know was that she had followed me out of the classroom because... <laughs> As a good person, she wanted to make sure I was okay after our little thing. She'll be like, Look, it was just in class. Like, this isn't personal. This is just, um, I totally miss my friend uh, who was elbowing me the whole time. Like, <clears throat> I'm like, yeah, I know, right? And she's a, and like, this and that. And she's like, what's it up? And blah, blah. I'm saying all kind of things I shouldn't say. And all of a sudden, uh, it's that moment where you're like, she's standing right behind me, isn't she? <laughs> and then the second question How long have you been standing there? Man, the, the mouth of the fool gushes folly. I I just held a rein on my tongue. You know, if you wanted to measure my intelligence and determine whether or not I was smart, you could look at my GPA, you, I could take an IQ test. And Here's what I, I hope you'll find. I'm not stupid. In fact, even at that time, I was intelligent, but it was not wise. And there is a clear difference between the two. In fact, I was a fool. You know how I measured that? I checked the gauge. And what was coming out of the mouth was proving that I was gushing folly. Uh, I kind of I got that cured a little bit, like I'm working on it still. Uh, but it was uh, years ago. It was in 2002. I was in West Africa for the summer. And, uh, and I was riding in, in a car in a taxi with a couple of my American buddies. And there was four of us in the taxi driver. And we got pulled over by a soldier with an AK-47. Now, what he called it was a routine, routine traffic check, uh, and uh, what it really was was a chance to try to get a bribe out of some Americans, and that's kind of that's the way it works over there, and so he pulls us over, and, and the, the driver's like, uh, what have we done wrong? And he says, you have too many occupants in your vehicle, and um, well, there were five of us, and it was a four-door sedan, so it's like... No, this is about right. And so, but see, I had seen this play out before. Normally our translator was with us and he would say something to the, to the cop or to the soldier and kind of get us out of it. Uh, and then what he would tell us is like, they just want to get a bribe out of you. And so that's what you got to do. And you got to basically convince them that you're not doing anything wrong and that you're not going to get any money from me. But me, in all of my wisdom... Back in 2002, I said, "Let's just talk about what this really is." I speak to the shoulder, through the window, from the back seat. I, by the way, I got middle seat, hump seat. You know, I'm back there looking real cool. Well, let's talk about what this really is. I tried to play the race card, doesn't work. And I said, "Let's just tell us what this really is." I'm an American, and you're a guy in a and you're trying to intimidate us and get a bribe. It sounded really cool for about one second, and then it got deadly silent. And all my buddies in the car look at me like, "What are you doing?" Dude with the AK-47 is like. Excuse me? And so he says, he says something to the, to the driver in, in their local language. And the driver says back, he goes, Oh, no, 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 sir, you, you must understand how stupid American visitors are. They don't know. He doesn't mean what he's saying. He's just learning how to talk to you. And so they talk for a minute. And then I think the, the guy slipped him like a 20 and we got out of that thing. So here's the thing. Real wisdom is learning that you don't mouth off to a guy with an AK-47. Right? That's real wisdom, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. I got too many stories like that. And my guess is, so do you. What the mouth showed me, what my mouth showed me is that I had a problem with authority. Think about those three stories. It showed me that I had a problem with submission. It had a problem, I had a problem with, with arrogance. I had a problem with not being humble, among many things probably. That's what my mouth showed me because like Jesus said, from my heart, my mouth spoke and that's why the writer of the book of Proverbs spends so much time talking about the power of our words. Let's just look at a few of these. Uh, this is some things he says, some of the things I highlighted. Proverbs 14.3 says, A fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protect them. Let that sink in. And if you don't gonna uh, you, you know, you have tough, enough time to write all these down to see some of you writing, and if you want to get them from me later, just please do it. I'm going to go through a couple more. Look at Proverbs 13.3. It says, Those who guard their lips preserve their lives but those who speak rashly will come to ruin that's almost what happened to me in africa with the guy with the ak47 <laughs> proverbs 14:7 says stay away from the fool for you will not find knowledge on their lips who do we hang out with who do we help make our decisions proverbs 15:38 or 28 the heart of the righteous weighs its answers but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil and then lastly, this is pretty huge to me. I don't know if it'll hit you like it hit me, but Proverbs eighteen twenty one says this. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Your words have power. And they show your true heart. And here's the thing. Words can't be unsaid. The things that we say once they enter the, 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 the atmosphere, they're out there for whoever heard them and the damage that they might cause it's there the trust that might have been lost has been lost the relationship that might have been broken is broken and those things may never recover because words can't be unsaid it takes a long time to build back trust doesn't it it takes a long time to apologize for something that really hit below the belt it takes a long time to build rebuild a broken relationship and so but here's the thing as as the writer of proverbs writes this Book. I don't believe he's writing this book going these are all the things that you need to, do to realize how foolish you are like I don't think that's why he wrote it I think he wrote the book of Proverbs that's why we're calling it hashtag wisdom because the whole thing about hashtags is like we want to kind of draw our attention to the importance of something hashtag wisdom the whole idea of Proverbs is I want to teach you that you can be wise you don't have to gush foolishness. You don't have to gush evil from your mouth. You can be wise. And so what I want to do is after reading through the book of Proverbs and, and finding out like what was it that Proverbs is trying to teach us about our words, I want to give us kind of three challenges. Uh, the problem that I had and I, I still have is that I have been a smart mouth. It's a word we use our kids sometimes. You ever heard that phrase? Smart mouth. You may fill in another word at the after smart, um, but you know, basically the idea is that you just, you just, you're too smart for your own good, you think your words are better than somebody else, you're going to come out and you're just going to say something, and it's actually not very smart what you say. What if we could transition from being a smart mouth to being a wise mouth, you follow that? If our mouth is the gauge of what's going on in our heart, or if our mouth is the gauge of how we're seeking wisdom and how we interact with the world around us, what if we could use that mouth in a better way? So what I want to provide for us is, or suggest today is three challenges that we could take to becoming a wise mouth, okay? And the first one is this. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. It's filter, filter, filter. Yeah, everyone's laughing about that, and I think there's a good reason, because your filter's broken. Or someone you know is, uh, you know, at our house, we got this filter on our our, our sink in the kitchen for our water because um, I believe the city water tastes like a city swimming pool. And so I wanted it to taste like water, and so we use a filter. What do you do with the filter? Uh, It filters out the impurities so that you get the good stuff. That's the goal of it. If I were to write my own book uh, of Proverbs, I might put this verse in there. Something like, an unbridled mouth is a smart mouth, but a filtered mouth is a wise mouth. That's all I've got from my book of Proverbs, so don't look for it in the bookstores anytime soon. That's all I got. But what if we could filter our words before they come anywhere close to coming out of our mouth? What if there was a method by which? I want to suggest a few things. Uh, the, the first challenge of becoming wise with our words is to learn to filter, filter, filter. There's a story uh, about Abraham Lincoln. And it said that when he got hot uh, and, and bothered by something, he'd be angry about something. He'd go to his office and he would get a pen and, and paper and he would begin to write what he would call a hot letter. He would just write. And what he would do is he would rant in that letter, just go off, like, blah, 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 say everything he wished he could say to the person he was angry at, or everything he wished he could say about the subject he was going to be upset about. It. He'd write, 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 And he'd just be angry and he'd get heated and let all his steam out. And then this is what he would do with that letter. He would not send it to anybody. It was just a hot letter. It was something he could write, get it off of his chest, tear it up, throw it away. I got a buddy who tried a similar thing. Uh, he, he was really upset about something, and he had a best friend. This guy was a preacher in a church, and he uh, was, was upset about somebody that was in the church leadership. They had done something. I don't even know what had happened. He was angry. So he was going to vent like that to a buddy of his through email. So he writes everything evil and terrible that he could about this person. And he's like, ah, I'm so angry right now. And he hits send, and then he almost had a heart attack when he realized that he had accidentally sent it to the entire church email database. Yeah. You cannot unsay words. If you don't want anybody else to hear it, don't say it. If you don't want anybody else to hear it, I mean, I don't want to say Abraham Lincoln is dumb because he clearly is not. But you might not want to write it down. Maybe you just need to have a person that you can talk to. Or maybe you need to learn to filter before it comes out. Whatever it takes, get it out. Uh, this idea of needing to learn to filter. If you look at the book, the, the book of Proverbs is in the Old Testament, and I said a couple of weeks ago, maybe a New Testament equivalent to the book of proverbs might be the book of james a lot of wisdom literature in the book of james in james 1 it says those who consider themselves righteous and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless i mean that's those are heavy words like I talk about religion and I kind of, you, if you've heard me talk about religion before, you know, I talk about how, you know, maybe religion is this idea of stacking up all the good things that we do so that we can uh, kind of uh, get God's approval. And so we, we attend church and we help the old lady across the road and we do all these things to make us do good things so we can have a checklist. Now, that's one way of looking at religion. That's kind of a, a definition of religion. The reality though is that the idea that he's talking about here about religion is this, this faith system. The idea of seeking God. And he says, listen, if you can't control your mouth, the rest of your religion is worthless. It doesn't matter how much you go to church. It doesn't matter how much you pray. It doesn't matter how much you read the Bible. If you can't control your mouth, none of the other things that you do in your life to try to get closer to God are going to do you any good. Now, when I look at that, I'm like, that seems a little heavy. Like, it seems like it would do good to do other things. I'm just reading what the Bible says. And what I'm suggesting is that we learn to filter, filter, filter. He says later, a couple chapters later in James chapter 3. This is an interesting picture. He says all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. And you've probably experienced that. You might have been on the dart-throwing end of the poisonous, you know, dart. You might have been on the receiving end of those words that hurt. I think the wisdom in all of this is to learn that our words have power and we've got to learn to filter, filter, filter. And so here's, here's the, the picture I want you to put in your head for filter. I want you to imagine right now, in fact, try it for a week, that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there is an impressionable five-year-old following you around everywhere you go. And they are going to repeat everything you say and imitate everything you do. You will seriously begin to filter your action. And for some of us, it's a reality. I actually have an impressionable five-year-old that lives in my house. And she does actually repeat everything I say and impersonate everything I do. But it don't limit it to, to five-year-olds because you know what? The people that you work with, they see what you do and they hear what you say. And they imitate that and they're like, man, well, you know, so-and-so, they said they go to church, they said they got faith in God, but this thing blew up at work and all I saw them was go off the handle. And that's what they see. Now, in reality, there are certain things that are completely fine to say and do that a five-year-old has no business seeing or saying, right? That's, that's just life. But if we begin to set our filter at such a high level, we will begin to understand what it means to be wise. And then this gauge right under our nose will begin to reflect a different thing that's happening in our heart. But that's not all. That's, that's one. I said there's going to be three challenges. That's the first one. Filter, filter, filter. The second one is this. Speak truth and love speak truth and love. I want to break it up because first I want to talk about truth and then I want to talk about love because it's kind of a two-part thing. Uh, when I was growing up, I think one of the things I picked about about picked up about what God wants me to do with my words is this. Uh, there's a list of about five or six what I was told are called bad words and you don't say those words and otherwise everything else is fair game, right? I mean, maybe you didn't get that same impression, but that's kind of where I came up. What What instead I saw though was that the same people that maybe enforced that rule, like, oh, you can't say that word. Oh, there's certain words you can't say in church, too, apparently. You can't say that word in church. I'm like, what? Like, what makes it different in here? I don't know. But they told me that. But the same people that I saw, saw said that to me were the, also the same people that I would see, I don't know, talking about all the people behind their back. Did you hear what so-and-so did? Gossip, right? They were using their words. They were the same people. I grew up in, we're in the South. I'm a Caucasian dude. I grew up around racist people. There's a light bulb for you, Okay? And like people say, people are like, you can't say that word, but then they'll say this about that people group. I'm like, well, that just doesn't seem like that should be okay to say either. And so instead of just saying, these are the words that are right and these are the words that are wrong, what if we begin to only speak truth in love? Our goal is to say things that are true and not just to get around it. Like I remember people, that I'd call them out for gossiping. They're like, oh, it's not gossip if it's true. I'm like, well, oh, yeah, you're still just basically slandering that person and they have no idea. What if instead we looked for truth? And this is the idea. Simply stop saying things that aren't true. Not a little bit true. Not a mostly true. No, just stop saying things that aren't true. This is what Solomon says in the book of Proverbs. He says, truthful lips, Proverbs 12, verse 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue only lasts a moment. The thing is, if you've got truth, no one can take that away from you. It's true. I talked about Martin Luther King earlier and the whole civil rights movement through the 60s. It actually began way before that, even with Abraham Lincoln. The thing is, that equality thing, that's truth. No one can take that away. And it might be hard to fight for, but no one can take that away from you. But when there's lies involved, I mean, that stuff is fleeting. As soon as the perpetrator of that lie is dead and gone or out of the way, the lie doesn't matter anymore. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Which begs the question, why do we lie? Why do we say things that aren't completely true? Well, we lie to make ourselves look better. Uh, we lie to make money. We lie to save money. We lie to save face a lot of times. It's no, longer, it's no wonder that the, the Bible calls the devil the father of lies. Because a lot of times he doesn't have to like steer us away from some great truth. All he has to do is make us believe a little lie. A lie about ourselves, A lie about a friend. A lie about God. What if we only begin speaking truth because truth endures i love that jesus calls himself the truth look what this verse is in john chapter 14 another book about the life of jesus the book of john john fourteen six, jesus says about himself i am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me talk about filter 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 Let's run things through the, tr- the truth that we can learn from Jesus. And let me just tell you, like maybe you're just figuring that out. Maybe you don't know a lot of truth about God, and you, you don't even know if there is much truth in God. Take what you do know and begin there. And begin building a wall of truth, brick by brick, so you can begin to filter that as well. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I love that Jesus says that. When Jesus is teaching about finding his way back to God, he also says this another place in, in John chapter 8. He says, knowing the truth will set you free. And so if you're looking to get, get, get kind of freedom in your life and break the bonds of something that's kind of holding you back, keeping you from God or keeping you from even success in life, this is Jesus' word. The truth will set you free. He says, I am the truth. And the truth will set you free. So here's what I'd like to challenge you with. When you open your mouth, speak truth. Speak truth and let that maybe be part of your filter. It's just the way of the wise. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe maybe you could walk around today like, I'm good. I'm good. I got my coffee from Africa and I got the thing you said. Don't tell lies and I'm leaving. And you're good. You're excused. So go ahead. If that's what you want to hear today, because that might be all that we need to hear sometimes. Clarify what you're saying. Make sure it's true. But truth speaking comes with a huge responsibility. Because sometimes we speak truth at the expense of people's feelings. Sometimes we speak truth at the expense of, uh, of our own integrity. And so that's why this phrase is speak truth in love. There is a way to go about speaking truth. We, we see the New Testament missionary Paul, he talks about it, Ephesians chapter 14, he teaches this. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Did you hear what he just said? If we can learn to speak truth in love, whatever that means, we can grow into maturity as the body of Christ. Like we can become like Jesus. Learning to speak truth in love. I've got a mentor uh, who says this same phrase a little differently. He says, speak truth, but lead with love. And I like that because that's what Jesus did. He was going to go and work with somebody and tell them the error of their ways. But before he did, he saw that they were hungry, so he fed them. But before he did, he saw that they were sick, so he helped them get better. Before he did, he saw that they were lonely, so he helped them find companionship. Before he told them some kind of truth, he might have seen that they uh, were, were an outcast. So he embraced them. Speak truth, but do it in love or lead with love. I think the best example of this is what Jesus did. I hope you know the story of Jesus, and if you don't, stick around. We talk about it every week. But I want to read just a portion of it. It's from the book of Romans, chapter 5. And this is Jesus setting the bar for speak truth, but lead with love. Jesus set the bar. Chapter 5, Romans, chapter 5, beginning at verse uh, 6. It says, see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die but, verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He, Jesus came in the world to bring truth. He says, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life, but right now, you're not really even looking for me. So here's the deal I'm going to lead with love while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And so sometimes those of us, maybe you've already discovered Jesus and you're trying to live for him and and you feel really bad when you sin and you mess up. And I want to tell you something. Jesus already knew that you were gonna sin and, and mess up. In fact, while you were still sinner, you weren't even born yet. You hadn't even done your first sin yet. He said, I'm gonna lead with love. I'm gonna lay down my life so that you know when I speak truth, it's because I love you. And maybe you're someone who's just seeking God right now. I don't know where to find him, I don't know what I'm looking for. I want to let you know this. Nothing that you've done is going to make God go, what? You did what now? He knew. Yet he still loves us enough to forgive us and give us a new, a new crack at life. And so when it comes to the words that we speak, after you've filtered through them, and after you've decided that they're not lies but truth, make sure that when you speak them, it's being done in love. That's the second one, speak truth in love. Let me go ahead and, uh, and get into the third one. Before I give it to you, let me kind of set it up a little bit. This is a response to something that Jesus said. Um, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, I read it earlier. He said, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. These things defile them. See, our words are an indicator of what's going on inside of us. And I said, like, if our life was uh, like a box and you wanted to find out what's going on inside of you, you could jump it out and you could see what's going on in there. And the problem is, if, if our heart is where these words are coming from, what do we do if our heart's messed up? We've, if we've been hurt, if we've done bad things, and that's, that's all of us. So how can we ever speak wise words? How can we ever speak good words if we're all messed up? Well, here's the third thing, the third challenge, and it's the hugest one, and it's this. Let God renew your heart. See, if we ever hope to become wise people, if we ever hope to be people whose words have the power to not only make days better and hours better but to make the world a better place it really starts with going to god and saying listen i I need a fresh start and in everything that i read about jesus and what he teaches about what he can do for us and what he offers in his love and the reason he came while we were still sinners he died on the cross like the reason for all of that from what i gather and from what i understand is this because he wants to make us new 2 Corinthians 5.17 is one of my favorite passages. I quote it all the time in here. That anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. And the thing is, God can make us new every day. You have a bad day, you can get off track, and then you go back and say, Listen, I just need a fresh start. And he goes, All right, you got it. Go again. If we could ask God to renew our heart, man, what would that do to our words? What do you do now when someone cuts you off from traffic? And you're like, you know what? God's been working on me. And right now, I realize that that person may be not be a complete, whatever word you use there. Maybe they just had a bad day themselves. And that's why they're not paying attention to where they're driving. Maybe, oh, well, my heart's been renewed. I've been, begun to see people as people the way that God sees me. I'm beginning to see them. And then what have you done? Well, you filtered your words. And you speak truth in love. And then uh, maybe you choose not to speak at all. Our words have power. They have amazing power. They've got the power to, to, to make someone days better, to make a week worse, the power to build, the power to destroy. In week one of this series, we learned that true wisdom begins with an understanding of who God is. Because so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you remember that? And when it comes to learning to tame our tongues and, and live a life of wisdom that is seeking God every day, the real change begins. When we turn our hearts to Jesus and we say, can can I start over? And you know what he says to us? Yeah. Yeah, you can start. Over. Maybe at first, maybe meet me in the waters of, of baptism. Like I can wash you clean. Maybe you've already done that. Maybe he's like, it's cool. Just a new start today. Yesterday was bad. There's going to be consequences because you made so-and-so mad at work and they're probably still going to be mad at you. But as far as me and you are concerned, I'm still working on you. That real change begins when we can turn our hearts over to God. We can filter, 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 speak truth and love. But really, say, God, I need you to renew my heart. So that day by day and choice by choice and even word by word, we can learn to live wisely. I just want to pray for you this morning as we go. Lord, words are powerful. Uh, you brought creation into existence with them. Let there be light. And... and um Then in your Bible, you said that your word became flesh and made us dwelling among us. That's so cool. And that's the description of Jesus, how you just kind of came and you made yourself human. And then your word exists and continues existing through uh, the Bible and also through things that you fill our hearts with as we pray and as we learn and grow closer to you. Sometimes we're so irresponsible with our words. And Lord, the word that I pray that you lay on all of our heart today is just Jesus. You said that the name of Jesus is more powerful than any other name, any other word that we could utter. So may we be a community of people who are still reaching out to this city and to our families and to our friends, but that we do it through the love and the truth and the filter even of Jesus and help us to get better at that so we can be wise. Not so that we can have another notch on our belt and say, "Ah, I'm so smart, so wise, but so that we can be seeking you to the best of our ability. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.